<laughs> yeah. John, you want to start us off this week? I don't think he's prepared. I'm not prepared. How do you want me to start us off? Do you want me to, like, put on a record or something? No, we can just start right now. Hey, okay. fellas. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, bud. John, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been starting episodes with, like, some witty comment you make. I don't know if you've listened to the last Witty episode. comment that I make? Yeah. You're lying. What are you talking about? Are you serious? No, go back and listen to, like, the last couple episodes of season one, and, like, they all start out with just some weird shit that you said. That I've said. Where are you getting these weird things that I've said, like, in other episodes? No, just you talking no, in the like, beginning. Yeah. Building into like, what we're just talking. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was pulling up, uh, you know, notes and stuff. It's good to so, have notes and stuff. It is. I almost didn't. Lost my keys this morning. It was Did fun times. Them? Yeah, they were in South City. Nice. They were in South City? Yeah. How did your keys get lost in South City? Well, so I was making this beat at my house last night, and I went into the car to do a car test. And then I went in my buddy's car to do a car test, and the keys never came with me when I came back inside. Oh, so you left them in your buddy's car? Yeah. That sucks. Hey, got them back. We're all good. That's good. We got kind of a weird episode this week. It's a good thing we had kind of a weird intro then, huh? Yeah. I guess. We're going off the beaten path. <laughs> it works well that way. We're not talking about rap. Yeah. True story. We're going to talk about Rob Zombie and one of the longest album titles ever. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, typically has long album titles. Like, it's unreasonably long for him, even. Are they yeah. unreasonably long? Because I feel like they're unreasonably long, but I don't know the guy very well. Well, they are. So this at, album is called The Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. But the album before this was called The Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy, Orgy Celebration Dispenser. Yeah, wow. Yeah, But see, it wouldn't fit on one line if you were to put it on a record. Like on a 12-inch, there's no way that you could fit this whole title in one line. That, to me, makes it unreasonably long. Yeah, like that I don't know what fair. I'm gonna title this episode. It's just this is just gonna be the Rob Zombie episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You could abbreviate so, it all the way through, but then nobody'll ever know what it is. That's true. Um so Rob Zombie is fifty six years old. Right. Uh hails from Haverville, Massachusetts. Um heavy metal, hard rock, new metal, singer, songwriter, filmmaker, record producer, voice actor. Um, been active since 1985. Signed to Roadrunner Records. Uh, was the lead singer of White Zombie. Did I miss anything? No, I mean that's. I mean that's a pretty good intro for him. Well, well-rounded, yeah. talented artist. Yep. So, uh, prior to this, I, I've actually seen Rob Zombie live uh, twice. Puts on a hell of a show. Yeah, I think I saw him once, like mid late nineties. I think that was about it, like ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere around there. I uh, I've never been to a Rob Zombie show. Um, after listening to the album, 
I would definitely consider it. Cool. Well, let's get into it and see what uh, what everyone thought of the album. Um, so track one is Expanding the Head of Zed. Right? Yep. That's, yeah. Expanding yeah, the um, Head of Zed. So this is pretty much just a spoken verse intro, correct? That's like a clip intro, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounded yeah. like it was all samples. Which I'm typically okay with. Like, I thought it was a pretty typical way for a zombie to start his stuff. You know what I mean? Just, like, knowing the way he operates. So, like, the vibe of it fit with what I came in expecting. But that's coming in missing the last couple of albums because I, you know, just stopped listening to them for whatever reason. Uh, But I thought it was just an average way to come in. You know, pretty typical for what I expect. Yeah. Well, it's good to know because it was okay. If the thing was done well, but it was kind of weird to me. So. Track two, The Triumph of King Freak, a crypt of preservation and superstition. Um, it was okay. <laughs> I like the samples in it, but like, it didn't really stick out because this is just like typical Rob Zombie. It, I mean, if you like Rob Zombie, you probably like this track. Hey, that's kind of where I was at. Yeah, I was like, this one hit like all the nostalgic notes for me. Like sonically and lyrically, everything seemed to fall in place. But it just, like I said, it reminds me of the old stuff that I listened to. So we're talking, you know, almost what, 15 years ago or whatever. So like it, it sonically sounds exactly like what I expected from them, but it didn't like, you know, change the world for me. Mm-mm, not even a little bit. I uh, I I felt like the key change that he did for the chorus, I guess, piece was the only thing that really gave it any like excitement. Um, the scratch breakdown at the end was pretty dope, but outside of that, it was it was only okay. I definitely did not right. like the funk outro. He switches it up sometimes. Uh, sometimes, yeah, and, and, and he needs to. Yeah. Track three is the ballad of Sleazy Rider. Uh, the guitar in this track was fucking sick. Um, lyrically, it sounds like the ballad of a drunken Vietnam War vet, which I think is what he was going for. Well, then he nailed it. Yeah, it pretty much. I thought it sounded a bit more Southern rock than I expected, which, you know, no denying that it was solidly put together but to me it sounded like it was closer to like a heavy kid rock song than what i typically enjoy from rob zombie so like to his credit it could fit in like a sons of anarchy type movie soundtrack you know what i mean where it's got that the feel like you said you know yeah. a, a drunken biker sort of vibe to it and it all fits like so i don't want to knock the song by any means it's just not the rob zombie that I came into this album looking for. I didn't mind the song. I really liked the clap breakout uh, close to the end. Um, I did not like the Ramalama lines. They were awkward. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's what he says. He's got a. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Crack four. Hovering over the dull earth. Uh, this was an instrumental interlude. 23 that, seconds long. Yeah, I said that. I, it was sonically interesting, but didn't do anything for me. It was pretty all right. Track 
Track five, Shadow of the Cemetery Man. All right, so hear me out on this. Lyrically, if you took out the necrophilia and the swear words, this is a John Denver song. Like, Don, John Denver could 100% sing this song if you took out the necrophilia and swear words. Yeah, I'm not mad at you for saying it because it's like it's got that southern rock vibe to it. Um, that kind of you know it's different from what I was expecting from him. Like it's not my favorite, but it has a, a nice vibe to it. It's solid, but not great. See, I didn't overly like his vocals, and I thought his melody was a little bit awkward. I will say I like the high pitched guitar that he threw in there because it was a little bit different than just that power rock guitar in the like first four. Yeah, but how do you feel about necrophilia? I mean, I would obviously like to take that out. Yeah, it's illegal. Necrophilia is illegal. I don't know if you knew that. Is it? Yeah, that's but see, pretty that's, crazy. It, I wonder why it would be illegal. Yeah. But see, it fits with it what he does, though. Like, the subject matter bothers me less because it wouldn't even crack like the top 30 crazy things that he's put in the movie yeah that ain't that the truth so like his wife yeah his wife he puts his wife in every movie and she can't act her way out yeah, of the paper bag. that's the worst part <laughs> but but that's what i'm saying like so me for him to be talking about something as taboo as that i'm just like yeah whatever like because i kind of just roll all his creativity together like you know being an artist separating your stuff is kind of weird that, yeah, we've it, all listened to Insane Clown Posse. Necrophilia is nothing new. Yeah, yeah. And plus, when he when he was making this album, he said that they had the TV on like all the time playing horror movies for like inspiration of stuff, and like to the point that he says if you take out the instrumentation, just listen to the acapellas, you can probably hear the TV in the background because they didn't even turn it off to record. Wow. So, so, like, so who knows what he was watching when this thought came into his head? I feel like that would happen at his house all the time, honestly. Like, yeah. It did, I don't know. It doesn't surprise me. Anyway, track six a brief static hum, and then the radio blared. Uh, another instrumental interlude. 43 uh, seconds. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, but again, more of a throwaway thought. Agreed. Track seven 18th century cannibals. Uh, excitable Morlocks and a one-way ticket on the ghost train. There it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I did uh, really enjoy the vibe of this one. Um, I felt like this would be a nice uh, road trip song. Eh, not overly mad at you. Um, maybe it'd be a road trip song in one of his movies. Maybe, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll talk about that when we get to the conclusion on this whole joint. Um I thought that the Southern rock vibe and the country hillbilly of it kind of threw me off, you know, like getting the banjo the in it, which is not bulky, what you sign yeah. up. Yeah. Well, that's not what you sign up for when you go for a zombie album. Um, yeah. But I thought it was a fun novelty song, you know, in contrast with everything else. Um, but nothing I would really go out of my way to play again. I'm with you. I don't think I'd actually play it again. And I'm, I lean towards some folk stuff. Um, because I think it's very folk feeling. Um, but for real, this dude with the titles, he needs to stop this shit. 
All right. Track eight, the eternal struggles of the howling man. Um, I liked the energy this song bring to this portion of the album, but the lyrics are trash. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like the lyrics are not even coherent. Like the, the absolute trash. Yeah, I I was kind of weird on this song. Like I liked that it had a heavier feel to it. It was closer to what I was expecting. Uh, instrumentally, it still has that southern rock vibe to it, but it's a little bit heavier. And I dug the switch up at the end. My problem with this is like the way he sang it. It sings just like James Hetfield could be singing it. You know what I mean? Like it could have easily been a Metallica song as a Rob Zombie song, in my opinion. Like just the overall feel to it. But it was all right. Nothing spectacular by any means. We're just going to gloss over the fact that this is like four songs in one. Yeah. yeah. There's four changes. There's 15 seconds of weird, eerie organ before a fairly good song cr- turns on. It's nice, fast-paced. And then he just stops. He's got to half-time it. Like I'm big on on lyric and songwriting, so like that the whole just the fact that the fucking lyrics are trash like turned me off to the whole song. Like I didn't care. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's easily a quarter of my ratings are your lyrical ability, you know, and then instrumentation and the way you present it, you know. So yeah, bad lyrics will ruin a song quickly. I feel like I have a note in there somewhere about lyrics and the fact that he's got like four lyrics in the whole song or 12 lines in the whole song. It's four minutes all or something. We'll come to it. I'll find it. We'll get there. Stay tuned. Let's talk about number nine. The much talked of metamorphosis. Um, It's an instrumental interlude, but this one kind of stood out to me because it didn't sound like anything else. Yes. Word. My note is I low key love this one. It's emotional. Yeah, it, ha- it sets the tone. It's a solid backing, but the instant it came on, my mind went to Yellow Wolf, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> this would be perfect for him to come in and demolish because that's just like the, his kind of a vibe, you know what I mean? Um, so to not have anything on it was kind of a disappointment because you know it was set up yeah. to be something great. Uh, I even had the note: what would this sound like with lyrics? Yeah, 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 yeah. and. Like I said, it to me, like Yellow Wolf came to mind, but that's because I'm a fan of him over this kind of thing. But uh, but Rob's voice and the way he affects it would have been interesting over something so stripped down for him. I thought it was another uh, interlude because there were no vocals, right? And then yeah. it was two minutes long, which was fine because it was my favorite thing on the album so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's a good one. So but it was just kind of a strange getting there because you're listening to the rest of the album and it, there's a lot of heavy and then there's a weird folk and then there's this. And well, I was like, "What?" Yeah, well, he purposefully makes stuff like that where he's like, "Yo, I don't want this to sound like anything else on the album." Like it's kind of a thing that he does where he's just like, "I don't want it to sound the same anywhere." Yeah. Track 10, The Satanic Rites of Blackula. Um, it's okay. It doesn't stand out, though. It maybe could have been slightly longer, but it's forgettable as it is. 
However, I do like the uh, Blackula reference. If you've not seen the movie Blackula, I highly recommend it. Yeah, this is where I got the tidbit because I'm like, Blackula, it's funny. Um, so on Genius, if you look it up, he's got the little side comment on there where they was talking about watching the movies and stuff. And he couldn't remember which Blackula he was watching. Um, but that's where it came from, like the TV that they were watching while they were in there. Um, but this song kind of reminds me like the first time I heard Rob Zombie, or probably White Zombie. Um, but instrumentally, it's got that 90s vibe and his voice and delivery are exactly the same of what you expect of him. So like if you haven't listened to him in 15, 20 years, you're getting the same zombie that you listen to. I didn't really care for it. it seemed very disjointed. Then there was an interlude. <laughs> yep, then there's an interlude. Shower of stones. Yeah. And then there's track one. <laughs> <laughs> it was 28 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, uh, it was my least favorite of these interludes up to this point, and I could have done without it. Like, since I've talked about the rest of them, I felt like I need to ride the rest of them out. <laughs> Fair. Track 12, Shake Your Ass, Smoke Your Grass. Um, the accent that he used was completely unnecessary. It was actually <laughs> distracting and somewhat annoying. It sounds like he's trying to appeal to the 60s counterculture, and no matter how much he wants that to be his audience, that is not his audience. Yeah. T- to me, I thought it was more of a concert vibe. Like, Yeah, definitely. Like, like, th- like throwback Antichrist Superstar era Manson anthem. You know what I mean? Just something that you're supposed to not really take for its artistic value, but the way that everybody else will receive the song. Like, you know, like, so yeah, shake your ass, smoke your grass. It's kind of got that outdoor concert. Girl, show your titties kind of a thing going on with it. It's definitely got a windows down vibe for sure. I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was super fun. I thought the guitar played in really well with the lyrics and it flared almost. Um, it's a simple lyrically, but I feel like that for 98% of the album, I didn't like the boogaloo line because I guess it's too simple, but maybe, I don't know, but I actually like this song. It was I, nothing special, but I get it. Track 13. Boom, boom, boom. Um, I actually thought this track had fantastic instrumentation and everything worked well here. I liked his menacing tone and subject matter. And it reminds me of the song No Mercy by Kit. Yeah. My note was it's a stripper song that only Zombie could make. (laughs) (laughs) The type of song that the visuals would make the song way better than it currently does on the album. Uh, it's another one of those songs that I think will excel when he performs it live. I really liked it. I think it vibes real good. I think it's super simple. It's catchy, but it's uh, and, and it's repetitive, but in the good way. Track 14, What You Gonna Do With That Gun, Mama? It's an instrumental interlude. Funky, but otherwise hey. completely forgettable. Dwayne, is that yeah. your note there? Yeah, that's it. Funky, but otherwise completely un- uh, completely forgettable. Okay, I have a note for this, and I'd really like to state what my note is. Okay, are you ready, guys? That's why. The here. only thing I liked about the song was the ending. Get Loose is number 15. It is. 
I liked the uh, Indian sounding guitar at the beginning. The sit- That's all I like. Oh man, to me, to me, this is like classic zombie. Um, it's the Rob that I became a fan of, and I'm with you. Like the moment the sitar came on, I was like, I was hooked for the ride. Like it was just like so out of the blue. Uh, I kind of wish that the album had more songs like this. Like you know, heavy, heavy, but with that weird mix into it of stuff that you just didn't expect. Like something heavier with the banjo from earlier would have been interesting. Just you know, it was few and far between for this. I didn't mind this one. I really liked the electronic keyboard he put in at about two and a half minutes in. Yeah. Um, but I wish you to cut the last 30 seconds off because these like awkward changes to me, just, I don't think they add anything. I think they detract and distract from what's going on. And I understand that that's who he is and that's how he writes. And, but I don't know. That's me, I guess. Track 16, The Serenity of Witches. That's an instrumental interlude. I, so, right. so, so actually, hold on. Yeah, hold on. So, oh, my bad. Okay, Dwayne, do you have a, a, a note for number 16, The Interlude, The Serenity of Witches? Uh, I thought that the okay, instrumental in the middle of this would have made for a solid song for someone. The intro had too much of that zombie strange for the sake of being strange for me, but still better than most of the interviews. Okay. I really, really liked this interlude. And I am really, really, really annoyed that the last 30 seconds of the last song fucked it up. Because you had a good song and a great interlude and this really weird 30 seconds that just threw it all off to me. Well, you just skip the track when it gets to those 30 seconds. I'm going to have to, or just not listen yeah. to it. We can tell that John's not a zombie fan in any way, shape or form. Like if he doesn't, if he doesn't like things about um, like that, then he's not going right. to like anything by him. Like Ooh. it's just, I don't think okay. you're going to find anything that you can really grab onto. Stay tuned for John's okay. big surprise. Track 17 is the last track on the album. It is Crow Killer Blues. Um, I thought this was kind of like the first track. It's okay. It's typical zombie. Um, I, it was a good, I felt like it was a good album closer. However, I feel like it'd be yeah, a good show like, starter. Yeah, well, it kind of showcases a lot of what he's good at. Uh, I enjoyed the way the song morphed as it went on. Uh, you know, it changed up quite a bit. I enjoyed the end more than the beginning, but that's not to discredit what the beginning was. Um, I thought that it was closer to what I expected of the album. I liked the vibe, especially the last like third of it. But yeah, I could see it doing well live. I really like this song too. Um, but I think he should have stopped it again at like 420 instead of five minutes. And not even because it was too long, but because the last, you know, whatever seconds to me were off-putting. You know, I think it would have ended better Another way. So, all in all, let me let me say this: I am not a Rob Zombie fan. I, you know, I enjoyed the the shows that I went to. He's a hell of a showman. I enjoy forty percent of his movies. I'm not the kind of person that's going to listen to a Rob Zombie album all the way through. 
So this didn't really strike any chords with me, but from what I have heard of Zombie, I would put this as a three out of five. I would say it's average. Now, someone who's a Rob Zombie fan may rate this way higher. Some people may rate this way lower, and I want to urge to our listeners that like our ratings are not fucking low. No, not by any stretch. What I (laughs) right, like what I think is average, you may think is the greatest fucking thing ever, and that's good because to you. If it's the greatest thing ever, then that's you. Good, I'm I'm happy for you. What you are hearing um, on this was what this, you are hearing on this podcast yeah. are opinions and opinions only. Please take that into consideration. Yeah. And you know, like I'm a Marilyn Manson fan, so I'm going to rate Manson higher than Zombie. You know, nine times out of ten, for me, this was just super average. And everything that did stick out to me as as good, I felt could have been better. Um. But I feel like Zombie's kind of, he's got all the tools to do something different. He just hasn't. And maybe we'll get there one day as he gets older. I don't know. But uh, to me, it's just, it's typical Zombie. Yeah. So I guess if hey, you like so Zombie, you probably like this. I was about to say, well, I was about to say, uh, if he's been like this for all this yeah. time, and he's this old now, I don't expect him to be changing anything. Why? You've got your sound, you've got backing, you've right. got great support, whatever. I mean, if you can do the yeah. same thing, do the so same thing. So before I get to what my thoughts are on here, going off yeah. of what Dylan says, where he want, you know, thinks that he could go somewhere else because he's got all these great tools, and I 100% agree with the dude is ridiculously talented. You can just tell by the things that he does. I would be interested in him doing a Rick Rubin album because, you know, Rick Rubin's an asshole, and he pulls the best out of everybody. Like, he doesn't care who you are. Like, you know, the best guitar player ever, you know, and he's going to go in there and tell you to play it differently than what you've ever done. You know, he, he, and I think that would be the true test of his talent on what that would turn out being. Cause Ruben is just one of those personalities that you put in a room and you just kind of listen to because you know that he knows what he's talking about. Like, he doesn't speak just to speak. And so I think that'd be a great place for him to be. And I'd be real excited to review that. If it would ever happen, which you doubt it will at this point, being so far. Into it. But for this album, I thought it was a bit of a miss for me. Uh, sometimes it sounded like he ventured too far outside of what I expected from him. And other times it sounded exactly like what I expected, which was 90s zombie. Uh, and I think that the elements of this fit well aesthetically in the mood of his movies. So like as a soundtrack, these pieces probably work really, really well, like in parts of his movies, but in the album context, they're really disconnected and sporadic. Um, so after I, yeah, so after I ran the numbers, yes. it ended up being a 2.53, which coming in at almost perfectly average kind of sums up my thoughts on Rob Zombie. Like now, like it just may be that he's not my personal taste after two decades of not really following his music but he's got talent, like ridiculous talent. There's no denying that, but I just don't think that he's my cup of tea. Nope. I'm with you. I don't think he's my cup of tea either. However, I think a concert from this guy would be a really like an, a good experience. Like if you've never gone to a concert, I think going to a concert like this might be awesome because i have a feeling it would just be a really good concert because i've never been so don't just don't take my yeah, word for it i, I would say definitely you know, don't make only. this your first concert 
you should you should have you should have some nope. sort of oh, yeah? background in live music before you just get dropped okay. in a zombie show because it well no most shit. most metal and heavy shows like that kind of need you know a transition into it. I'm not gonna say go listen to the Dixie Chicks or something live before you go. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like maybe go to a music festival first so you can get exposed to a couple of different things before you get dropped right into something as heavy as that. Because he does a lot of he does a lot uh, of theatrics. Good to know called the chicks uh, yeah, now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, I will say that on my first couple of like passive listens, I didn't like it. I was annoyed that we were doing this album and I was a little sad and I was like butthurt, I guess. And then I listened to it again and I was like, okay, it's starting to grow on me. There's a couple songs that are actually pretty good and get through the notes. And there's a couple songs that are, you know, pretty okay. And, but, um, it sounds like a really weird girlfriend application. Well, I'm glad it grew on you, John, because next week we're doing Weezer. <laughs> Weezer. Let's hard pass that, okay? <laughs> hard no. Reference to Letterkenny for all hey. you can- Canadians. Fucking DGENs. DGENs from up north. Hey, who doesn't, who doesn't right. love ice, ice fishing in Quebec? <sighs> Quebec. All right. Our next segment Unfair to Compare. You know what? And I, like this week is, I think, one hundred percent fair to compare. Uh, yeah, um, you could easily say that. Sam Cook. Well, then we got to skip. No, we're not skipping. We can't do it then. I it's mean, unfair for... to compare. We're doing Sam Cook and Otis yeah. Redding. We should do it. So, I, I am a Sam Cook fan. Word. Um, through and through. I I love me some fucking Sam Cook. We listen to it at work all the time. I put Sam Cook on random. Um, and his, not only his singing, but his, some of the writing. And I can't, I can't, uh, I can't sit here and honestly say if I know if he wrote these songs or someone else wrote them. I know he did write some of his songs. Um, dude had bars, man. Yeah. Go listen to uh, "Saturday Night" by Sam Cooke. Talk about how the girl looked like Frankenstein. <laughs> however there is one sam cook song that i bring up to people that is that would be incredibly problematic these days um the song 16 uh, yeah 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 well well oh like that shit would not fly today yeah but i mean 16 like for the era you know what i mean like they were making music for 16 year olds pedophiles well, <laughs> but yes, but that's what I'm saying. Like it was like it was a different time. Like, you know, they were the epitome of pop culture at the time. Like that was the era as opposed to now where it's yeah. skewed a little bit higher in the thing. Yeah. Um, so he is referred to as the king of soul and his pioneering contributions to soul music contributed to the rise of Aretha Franklin. Uh, Al Green, Curtis Mayfield, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Billy Preston, and popularized the work of Otis Redding and James Brown. Um, so I am kind of ashamed to admit I'm not—I was not super well versed in Otis Redding. 
Um, you know, I knew a couple of the hits. So before this, I listened to Otis Redding and I really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to dive more into Otis Redding. Sonically, the music, it didn't so much remind me of Sam Cooke's music. The closest thing I would compare it to was like Bobby yeah, Bland. That's a fair comparison. Yeah. Um, and I and I'm a, b- a big fan of Bobby Bland. Uh, one of my favorite albums of all time is actually BB um, King and Bobby Bland Live. If, you, if you've not heard that album, I highly recommend you seek it out and listen to it. The album is incredible start to finish, and then nothing's rehearsed. They just kind of go up there on stage and do their thing and get progressively drunk throughout the <laughs> album. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, I mean, musically, I would, I would probably go sam cook just because i'm more familiar with it but if you ask me again in six months i may change my answer um one thing i do want to point out though is both of them died very young um otis redding died at the age of 26 in a plane crash uh, which there was only one survivor and it was his trumpet player um sam cook was murdered at the age of 33 um, however, the circumstances of the murder were kind of questionable. It's officially ruled a justifiable homicide. Oh, my. Yes. So the story goes, Sam Cook was at a hotel and knocked on the hotel manager's door asking where the girl went. Not really sure who the girl was. Anyway, he gets into the manager's office. All he's wearing is a shoe. He's completely naked aside from that. There's a struggle. She shoots him and he dies. There's a documentary about this called The Two Deaths of Sam Cooke because people who were there dispute what had actually happened. But ultimately, it was real justifiable homicide. Um, so crazy. Yeah. I mean, take what you will out of that. And I mean, if we were to say Sam cook was at fault, it's one of those situations where you kind of have to separate the, the artist and the person type deal. Um, but I mean, I'm, I would have to go Sam cook on this. I'm, I'm right there with you. A bigger Sam cook fan than Otis Redding at any point in my life. But it, going back and listening to them both i'm like yeah both of these are kind of cool 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 um but early in redding's career he covered a lot of other people's songs and like that's kind of my my turning point where some of his bigger hits were actually just songs that other people had recorded which were already kind of popular which is kind of hard like like growing up listening yeah yeah, but that's what i'm saying but like coming out you know listening to it now you're just like yeah it's cool but it's hard to separate the version that he's doing because we weren't there you know what i mean like from all the other versions right. like yo this song is great and it is and he's singing it and his take is good yeah. but you know to go up against all of the stuff sam cook was doing you know what i mean it was just like you're yeah. talking huge huge that, difference i mean that kind of thing was was common even later than that. Rod Stewart, his first two albums only contained one song that he actually wrote. Most of them were cover yeah, songs. And that's um and he actually has a, a tribute song. Um it's called I believe it's called Sam Oh, I forget the name of the song, but he it's a tribute song to Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, yeah. and Buddy Waters. And that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with people releasing covers 
or basically remixing the song your own way. That's all fine and dandy. Like I don't have a problem with that, but like, that's the way his career started. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have a good set of music that he put out before. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't original, original. Yeah. He wasn't standing on his own as much as he was a karaoke, a popular karaoke singer who grew into an artist. Like, so I just think that there's more in Sam Cooke's discography. Um, for me, enough to tip the scale his direction. Well, I choose Otis Redding because I know his name. <laughs> and good for you. John, you need to listen to Sam Cooke tomorrow. I, I actually did listen to um, a bunch of Sam Cooke today and a little bit of Otis Redding, and um, I knew a lot of the stuff that he played. I know it by somebody else doing it a lot of the time. Right. So the things that Dwayne is talking about yeah. Otis Redding beginning his career with right. um, like the temptations doing something or, you know what I mean? So I've heard some of them differently than the original. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we, what's next? Who is it? Yeah. You got a, who is it for us, John? Yeah. Who, who is it is where we ask a bunch of questions and the other guys uh, try to answer it Yep. and try to figure out, who is it? So this week is my week. I've got 11 <laughs> questions. 11? All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I like to make it hard for you guys because you guys know yeah. a lot more than I do. I could say one of these things yeah. and you'll be like, oh, that guy. And yeah. this will, be like, will all be a waste. He's right. alive. So and I try to make second it hard. one is he's left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the first question or the first fact is that he was convicted of armed robbery in high school and sent to a reformatory. To a reformatory? All right, so a reformatory makes me think that they're either British or this happened in the 1960s. Um, I'm going to go with... uh, I don't know. Who's British? (laughs) Rod... I'll go with Elton John. Wow. Incorrect. <laughs> Any Let's guesses, say Slick, yeah. Let's say right. Slick Rick for one. On. Yeah. Only person Elton only person ah, Elton John Slick Rick. Incorrect. Diana of the spotlight. But go ahead. Okay, here. I'm going to give you another vague one. Establish their own nightclub. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, let's see. Born in St. Louis. Nelly. Incorrect. Cheryl Crow. Incorrect. Don't just guess all the people (laughs) from St. Louis. See? That's why I didn't start with that one. Ooh. All right. Go ahead. I don't have an idea yet. Uh, Steve Miller and Bruce Springsteen played backup to this artist at the beginning of their career. It is not. I think it is. No. uh, 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 No. Chuck Berry. Uh, yes, it was. It took me a minute. I'm like, <laughs> I was. I'm interested. What are the What yep. are the rest of your things? Yeah. So we have had six songs, which were included in the Rolling Stones' 500 Greatest mm-hmm. Songs of All Time, yep. My in 2004. Ranked fifth on Rolling Stones' 100 Greatest Artists of All Time in March yep. of 2004. 
ranked seven on magazine's 2009 list of 10 best guitarists of all time. One of the first musicians to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I thought. No, it didn't. It, it was the Steve Miller Springsteen thing. Kind of gave me a. It, it gave me an era really? to work at it. Like. Yeah, St. Yeah. Louis in the nightclub. Yeah. So then I'm just like, okay, we're filtering it down. And then Steve Miller, Bruce Springsteen, I was like, okay, beginning of their career. So we're talking early. And then I'm like, well, BB King. And I'm like, nope, that's not right. And then I'm like, oh, Chuck Berry, Blueberry Hill. So, so the duck room. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The duck room. Yep. Yeah. Which uh, I was actually there before the pandemic. I saw uh, Mason Jennings. Mm. The last, the last show I saw at the duck room was Dick Dale. And that was probably six or seven years ago when he was still touring. Nice. Cool. All right. What are we going to add to John's playlist? I just. Oh, yeah. What are we adding to my playlist? I actually have a plethora of things for your playlist. So I don't know if you want me to go first or y'all want to get yours going. Or... Oh, yeah, man. Get it. Get it started. All right. Burn so us in. We'll start with the two songs that I mentioned during this podcast. Um, so No Mercy by Solid Kit. One. And the other is Muddy Sam and Otis by Rod Stewart. It is a tribute song to uh, Muddy Waters, Sam Cooke and Otis Redding. And then I've got some other stuff. I've got um, Call Me Nobody by Clever featuring Lil uh, I, that made That made my playlist. I don't um, remember much about it outside of like, oh, I thought that was cool. That song blew my mind. And there was one lyric in there that just like put me over the edge. Like, this is amazing. It was, uh, I want to see X, I want to see Peep, and I pray to Juice World yeah. every time I go to sleep. I thought that was yeah. nice. So, uh, yeah, we got that one. Um, we've got Care at All by Bryce Vine. That's fine. Dude, that sounds super familiar. I think sometimes our albums. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, crossed. yeah, I mean, I just, I just Googled dude's face. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's solid. Uh, yeah, my algorithm pops like super weird things. Like I said, it's got you know, kids kids music and Disney soundtracks and gangster rap and alternative lo-fi. So it comes yeah. up with super. So weird stuff. so my yeah, my last one is actually gangster rap. It's a classic. If you don't already have it on some sort of playlist or in your repertoire, you should. It is. Hit them up by two. Oh yeah, it's a good, it's a good pack one. Yeah, first of all, fuck your bitch in the clicky yep. point. <laughs> there was, there was a uh, no mistake in his feelings. That's yeah. all I got. No, not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> fat motherfucker. <laughs> oh man. So I got three, and they're kind of all in the smooth R and B era side of things, which is kind of. Crazy because I don't usually yeah. gravitate all that way, but out of the last six songs I've added to my playlist, they were all kind of in this zone. Uh, first one is Cinderella Part Two by Chica C H I K A for fans of smooth R and B singers. Uh, second one is It's Raining, It's Pouring by Anson Sebra A N S O N S E A B R A uh, for fans of poppy kind of like stripped down R and B vocals. Um, 
And then this last one is uh, Justin Bieber, Unstable, featuring Kid Leroy, for fans of either one of those artists or pop music in general. I mean, you know what you're getting into. Um, which kind of like when I when I saw him on this track listing, it reminded me of when we did Kid Leroy, how we were talking about who he was going to align himself with now that Juice was gone, that was going to take him to that next step. And listening to this song with Justin Bieber, and I'm thinking that this is what you're going to get from now on. And then on Spotify this past week, they did Spotify singles, and Kid Leroy's got a new song on there like no drums all singing you know kind of the same vibe as this justin uh justin bieber stuff that's going on now so it's going to be a real interesting what his next project sounds like because i think he's aligned himself more in the pop world than the uh pop rap world oh yeah um i actually have two if I can find my notes again, found them. So surprise time. Um, the first one is shake your ass, smoke your grass by okay. Rob Zombie. All right. I put that one on the playlist. Um, and the other one is boom, boom, boom by yeah. Rob Zombie. Yeah. So it's, so it's like the two poppy joints. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad. They, they vibe good, man. You know? Yeah. On, Get you moving. Yeah, on random, fun. with a bunch of other shit that we've got in that playlist, I mean, they will probably feel right at home. Um, in the context of the album, they will yeah. probably. But like I said, I think they're good They're good soundtrack yes. stuff. So, I mean, if you're in the right place, right time, I can see it being a good vibe. All right, well, that does it for this week, and we'll be back next week with Rod Wave. Hold on. Hey, let me ask yeah. you a question. Go ahead. Are we going to end these podcasts by taking off the record? No. You leave the record on. Girl, leave your record on. <laughs> oh, Lord. We have a sign-off now. See you, guys. <laughs>